Goodbye, My Lady, a condensed version by James Street. Chapter 1 The swamp was sleeping the night away, but the boy was wide awake as he sat on the steps of the cabin and listened to the moonlight rhythm of things, the swish of the river around the cypress trees, the hum of insects, the low rumblings of the bullfrogs, and the high cries of the wildcats. A bull alligator bellowed up beyond the bend of the river, and another answered from the sandbar down the river, and the boy judging their hiding places, for they were things to be hunted and sold. Then he heard what he was waiting for, a haunting laugh that echoed across the bog and startled all the night creatures into silence, and then the swamp lay as still as unborn time. The boy got to his feet and stepped noiselessly into the shadow of the cabin and waited with the patience that comes with living in a wilderness of water and trees. Then it came again, a chuckling yodel that drifted off into a sob and ended in a weird roo. He called softly round the cabin door, Uncle Jess. The old man sat upright in his bed. That you, Skeeter? How come you ain't asleep? Heard it again, Uncle Jess. Imagination, the old man snorted. But I heard it plain as day, this side of the river. The old man swung his feet over the side of the bed and reached for his lantern and lit it. He put on his shoes and pants and slipped on his denim jacket. The boy felt in the corner by the door for the double-edged axe. Wished he had a shotgun, a twenty-gauge, "'Let's get going while the moon's out,' he said. Uncle Jess reached over his bed and took down his gun, a single-barreled twelve-gauge, and broke it and put in a shell, and then he lifted the lantern and walked out into the night. Skeeter followed him. Over that way, he nodded toward the river, heard it plain as day, like a ghost laughing, only it wasn't scary. The old man grunted and set off down the path, in long strides, his eyes to the ground in search of snakes, particularly the deadly cottonmouth moccasins that came out of the swamp and hunted along the path. The boy was about three paces behind him, and he too was watching for snakes. The briars were of no concern. The thick calluses of his bare feet took care of that. He held the axe close to his head and in his left hand. Yes, sirree, Bobtail. Wished he had a shotgun, a little old twenty-gauge. Cost twenty-five dollars, though. Get one next year, maybe. If they sold enough cordwood or cypress knees or alligator hides or any of the things that he and old Jess Jackson got from the swamp and sold in town. They reached the east bank of the Pasagola, the muddy river that drains the swamp and flows into the Gulf of Mexico in the southern part of Mississippi. The river was low and deep within its banks, for summer was upon the land. Uncle Jess and Skeeter moved so silently that the swamp creatures were not disturbed, and soon their sounds were at crescendo again. The breeze was from the south, from the Gulf of Mexico, and it was a fat wind, a damp one. Heard it up ahead, like you said, Uncle Jess asked. Right up yonder, dead ahead. Downwind from us now. Smell us sure, Uncle Jess set the lantern on the ground. 
Might as well rest a little bit. Can't hunt nothing at downwind. They waited. The river was slapping the cypress knees, and suddenly the haunting laugh came again and was close. The boy's eyes were wide and staring. That's it. Uncle Jess's mouth sagged open, and he felt for his shotgun. Great day in the morning. What is it? No telling. The boy moved closer to the old man and gripped his axe. Been hearing it every night for a week. The wind veered to the east, and Uncle Jess snatched up his lantern and the shotgun. Come on. The clouds separated wide from the moon, and the swamp was dampling in shadows, except in a clearing by the river, and there the light was mellow and without shadows. Uncle Jess stopped, stock still, and dusted his lantern and held it in his hand. He said not a word, but pointed toward the clearing. Then Skeeter saw it, and his heart pounded hard. The animal was clearly visible in the moonlight. And was sitting on his haunches, and its head was cocked sideways as it laughed. It was a merry little chuckle, a rather melodious sound that came high like a yodel and then trailed off into a gurgling sob. Wonder what it is, Uncle Jess peered at the creature. He had no intention of shooting unless attacked. Dog, the boy whispered, looks like a little bloodhound whose mama was a fox terrier or something. Look a yonder, licking itself like a cat. Don't no dog lick itself. That dog does. The old man and the boy watched the creature as it washed itself and then lifted its nose to the moon and chuckled. It was about a foot and a half high. Its coat was red and silky, and there was a blaze of white down the chest and a circle of white around the throat. The face was wrinkled and sad. Can't no dog laugh. Uncle Jess shook his head. That dog can, Skeeter said. I aim to catch it. Don't make sense, laughing like a young'un and licking itself like a cat. Ain't natural. The animal lowered its nose and faced them, cocking its head from one side to the other. Smells us, Skeeter whispered. Can't nothing smell that fur, even downwind. The animal crouched and braced and lifted its nose whipped it into the wind and froze to a point. Then it darted away, racing like a greyhound into the swamp. Be John Brown, Uncle Jess said. It did smell us. Can't smell nothing that far. But that thing did. Runs like grease lightning, too. What you think, Uncle Jess? The old man scratched his neck, rasping his calloused fingers against the sunburned skin. It ain't natural like a cross tween a dog and a cat. And dogs and cats ain't supposed to cross. Might as well go home. That thing's heading for the tall timber. Going to let it outsmart us? Skeeter was disappointed. I sort of figured on catching it. How you aim to catch something that can smell a mile and run like a scared rabbit? Uncle Jess picked up his lantern. That thing's a freak. Maybe go loose from a circus or something. I aim to ask old Cash about it. He began moving back to the path. The boy caught up with him. Sort of hate to let Mr. Cash in on it. Old Cash is sharp as a briar. Knows something about everything old Cash does. My hind leg, the boy exclaimed. All he knows is buy low and sell high. 
The old man put his hand on Skeeter's head and tousled the long yellow hair. Now, Skeeter, don't you go running down old Cash. Best storekeeper in these parts. Friend, too, sold us that saw on time and been carrying us plumb nigh a year. Jess owed Cash for more than supplies. The villagers of Lystra, where Cash owned the crossroads store, might have tried to take Skeeter away from the illiterate old swamper and send him to an orphanage, but for Cash Evans. They doubted if Jess Jackson were fitting to rear a boy. They thought him shiftless and no account. He had lived all his sixty years in the swamp, and his ways were a torment to the people who believed that life must be lived by their rules. But when there had been talk of sending Skeeter away, Cash had said, "'Nothing shaken. That boy's a swamp sprout, and old Jess is a swamp hickory. They belong together like seed and burr. Leave em be.' The boy's mother was Jesse's sister, and had died when he was a baby. His father, an Alabama trapper, had drifted into the swamp and drifted out again when his wife died. And so for twelve years since, he was two, and so little Uncle Jess had called him Skeeter. He had lived with Jess Jackson in the one-room cabin by the river. Now the boy had grown into a willowy swamp sprout, with tangled yellow hair that Uncle Jess cut maybe once or twice a year. He had freckles, too, and his real name was Claude. Jess earned a little money selling the things that he got from the swamp, but mostly he spent his days paddling around the bayous and teaching Skeeter the things that he thought were important. He was wise in the ways of swamps and animals. He didn't know much else. Cash had insisted that Uncle Jess send the boy to school in town when the roads were passable, but that wasn't regular. Skeeter knew almost nothing about life beyond the swamps, and he heard only vaguely of such great places as New Orleans and Memphis and Mobile. When they got home, Skeeter followed Uncle Jess into the cabin, and Uncle Jess lit the lamp and blew out his lantern, and sat on his bed and yawned and stretched. Did I laugh at you, at your story? I'm rightly sorry. Had no call to laugh at you. Maybe I'll go out and get that thing, Skeeter tried to make his words sound casual. How you aim to catch it? Skeeter leaned back in his chair, balancing it on his hind legs, as the old man so often did. It's a dog, and dog goes with a man. Heard you say so many times, cat goes with a place, but a dog goes with a man. Maybe you aim to whistle it up. No, sir, I am to take food out to the swamp. And just wait. Be obliged if you let me cook up a slab of middlin' meat. Uncle Jess went to the shelf and took down the meat and cut off a hunk. Reckon that'll do it. Yes, sir. Skeeter went to the wood box behind the cook stove and selected a few prime fat splinters to start the fire in the stove. They blazed quickly and he added a few sticks of stove wood and set the meat on the fire to boil. Shadows danced in the cabin and on the meager possessions of the old man and the growing boy. Two beds with cotton blankets and no sheets. The eating table of pine and the two chairs of hickory, the gun, the axe, and the lantern. Against the wall near the cook stove was propped a sack of flour and a sack of cornmeal. 
and over the stove was a shelf on which were kept sugar and salt and coffee, a can of baking powder, a bucket of lard, and a can of milk. They used canned milk instead of keeping a cow, for they were hunting folks and not farmers. Three times a week Skeeter rowed their skiff across the river and bought buttermilk from the Watsons. The Watsons were good farmers and had cows. Their eldest son, named Gates Watson, had been away to school. Uncle Jess propped his elbows on his knees and kept his chin in his hands and watched the boy sitting there by the stove, and was sad that Skeeter was sprouting up. Soon his voice would go deeper into his throat, and his lean arms would bunch into muscles at his shoulders, and the cabin would be too small for him, and maybe the swamp, and then he would run to the wing and fly away. The thought of it made the old man sad. The boy reached into a box on the hearth and spilled out some hickory nuts and began cracking them. Like a few hickory nuts. Reckon not, the old man said. He could not chew hickory nuts, being without teeth. Skeeter selected the best of the kernels and mashed them to a pulp and handed the treat to the old man. And Uncle Jess took it without a word and relished it. Some day, however, he was going to buy him a set of store-bought teeth. Roebuckers, he called them. But roebuckers, even the cheapest kind, cost sixty-five dollars, and it might as well be a million. Some day, he said, I'm going to walk right into old Cash's store and lay that money right on the counter and tell Cash to order me those roebuckers. Then I'm going to eat me a bait of hickory nuts and enough roostin' ears to kill a goat. Maybe I can get me some roebuckers with a couple of gold teeth in them. Ha! Skeeter let the boiling meat to the back of the stove. I'm getting sleepy, he said. He took off his jeans and threw them across his bed and crawled under the blankets. Uncle Jess blew out the lamp, and then he too stretched out on the bed. Good night, boy. Good night, Uncle Jess. Say your prayers. Saying them when you said good night. For a minute the room was in stillness, and then the boy asked. What you pray for, Uncle Jess? Them Roebuckers? Mostly. The old man didn't want to tell them. I pray for you. It was not the thing to tell a boy. Reckon I pray for the shotgun I might get it? Mountain. Then reckon I pray that I catch the thing out in the swamp, I might catch it? Mightn't. Do I pray for both? What about that? Too much praying. That's how come folks get themselves into a mess. Don't never crowd the Lord, boy. Again the room was quiet, and both were thinking of things they wanted. The old man, that the boy would grow up and be a fitting man, and that he himself might have a set of store-bought teeth and the boy that he could catch the strange creature he had seen, and maybe a twenty-gauge shotgun. He didn't know which he wanted most. He just didn't know. The boy woke up before day burst. He sat upright, and his eyes popped open, and he swung to the side of the bed and felt his trousers, and for his shirt, and then he was dressed. Uncle Jess was breathing a medley of snores, and this terrible thought came to the boy. 
Uncle Jess might sleep for another hour, and he might sit there and wait. He wished the wind would rattle a window, or that the mouse would fiddle around with the pots and pans, even a big bug, anything to wake up Uncle Jess. He wished he could sneeze, a pure, genuine sneeze. Uncle Jess would spot a play-like sneeze. He flounced on the bed and crawled to the window and looked up at the elements, as he called the sky. Nothing was stirring, and the darkness was mist-heavy and clammy. He rested his chin on the window sill and was dejected by the slowness of time. Can't hurry morning gloom. Uncle Jess's voice filled the room, and yet it was not loud. You awake? Didn't go to wake you up. But the boy was glad, and he jumped from the bed and went over to the stove and set aside the boiled meat and put some wood on the fire. I'll fix breakfast. Uncle Jess sat on the edge of his bed. Put a little water in the coffee pot, about a dipper full. Need more than a dipper? Sort of aiming to have me a good hot cup of coffee this morning. One dipper, Uncle Jess said. Skeeter did not argue, but went to the porch and got the water and poured it into the coffee pot, and Uncle Jess watched him. Little bit more won't hurt, the old man said. He pulled on his shirt and then went over to the table and sat down. The boy put in three dippers of water and put the coffee pot directly over the flame. He cut the rind off a slab of bacon because Uncle Jess could not chew the rind and put the meat in the pan. He broke four eggs into a bowl and beat them, and when the bacon was ready, he cooked the eggs in the grease. He poured Uncle Jesse's coffee, and the old man emptied some of his saucer and blew on it, and then he scraped back his chair and walked over to the shelf and got a cup and a saucer and put them by the boy's plate. He filled the cup half full of coffee and went back to his chair and sat down. Smells good, the boy raised the cup to his lips. Put some cream in it. Uncle Jess pushed the can of condensed milk across the table. Skeeter tilted the can and spilled a few drops into his coffee. Enough, Uncle Jess said. About half and half. You drink yours black. That's different. Skeeter stirred more milk into his cup and then poured the coffee into the saucer and blew on it and tasted it. It was very bitter. Pretty good coffee, he said. He crossed his legs again and took another swallow. Yes, sir, nothing like a good cup of coffee, and it come in day burst. The old man filled his pipe. Morn gloom be here, Treckley. You aiming to go out after that thing? Yes, sir. Don't take no chances. Just a dog. Dogs go mad, and be they mad, they'll jump you. I'll be watching. You want my gun? If you don't mind. You know how to tote it safely. You keep it towards the ground. And don't climb a fence with it loaded, Skeeter had heard the instructions many times, but never before had he gone out alone with the gun. The gun's a single barrel, won't get but one shot. Ain't aiming to shoot, Skeeter said. If you have to shoot and happen to miss, then grab yourself a stick and start hollering. Don't try to run. Don't turn your back on that thing. The boy nodded and began stacking the dishes. I'll do that, the old man said. Clean them up after you're gone. 
He handed the shotgun and some shells to the boy. Skeeter went to the shelf and took down a lard can and put in the meat and he had that he had cooked the night before. He opened the back door and reached for a frayed cotton rope that had been hanging there. The dawn breeze had come, and the birds were scolding and fussing around, and the east was a dirty gray, and then quickly a reddish glow, and the night ran away, and the shadows slunk into the trees. Skeeter stood in the doorway by the old man and put a shell in the gun and clicked on the safety. I'll be going. He walked down the path, and Uncle Jess watched him until he was out of sight. Then he turned back into the cabin. He glanced at the dirty dishes and left them there, and stepped to the back door and stared at the wood to be cut, and he sat down on the steps and watched the day unfold. Mm -hmm.